Lord, we are so just grateful for what you've done, for the freedom, for the ministry, for the word. We're so grateful for the privilege of being a part of what you're doing. But Lord, right now, I just acknowledge my absolute dependence on you. Holy Spirit, you're the one who gives revelation. You're the one who leads us in truth. And so we open our hearts to you to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Go ahead and be seated. Don't sit on somebody. Like I said, there's, uh, there's different gifts, and it's great to be a part of a team with such wonderful communicators. I feel like I'm quite simple as a communicator. I was glad to find out that I'm in good company, Einstein and Jesus. So I'm not feeling so bad, so, but I was. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you would, turn there. Verse 9 says, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. We're building on the foundation. But let let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. There's no other foundation. Tyron spoke to us on Tuesday, kicking us off, that we're about Jesus. It's not the doctrine of Jesus, it's relationship with Jesus. It's not the theology of Jesus that's the foundation, it's relation, it's knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus. <laughs> Steve, come and change those for me, will you? Okay, be, if you take notes by the end of this, you're going to look at your notes and say, Tyron said that on Tuesday, and Ron said that, and Steve said that, and Matt said that, and Paul said that, so just to settle it, I took my notes last night, I cut them up into pieces, I put them in a bag, I shook them up, I pulled them out, and that's what I'm going to preach today, okay? (laughs) So I just want to set you at ease. I'm teaching you what someone else has. The problem is there's literally hundreds, if not thousands of churches in this nation that have had the foundation undermined or destroyed. They've moved away from being in love with Jesus. Why do we stress Jesus? Because we need to hear it over and over and over again. Because everything around us says, you need something else. You need some latest, greatest thing. There's no other foundation. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, we're building on that foundation. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, the day of the Lord. Each one's work is becoming, will become clear. The foundation we're building on is Jesus. Psalms 11.3 says, if the foundation is destroyed, what can the righteous do? We need to make sure we're building the right foundation. 
One of the scriptures that has really challenged me recently is in Isaiah, uh, in chapter 58. And it says, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repair of the breach. I believe there's those from among us. God's wanting you to have an impact in other foundations beyond yours. There's something of an enlarging that he's wanting to take place, that you will be those who help rebuild the foundations of many generations. But like I said, we're building on that foundation. And when the day of the Lord comes, it'll be revealed. Fire will test each one's work. I don't know about you, but I want to be sure I'm building with Jesus not against Jesus. Not building my thing, building his thing. If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter two. From verse 19, at the end it says, uh, you're members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Just in case you haven't got that yet. We're going to say that again. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. What are we building on that foundation? We're building the temple, the, pre the, the dwelling place of God. We're building people. You as a leader are building people. So you need to understand what is it that God is doing so we can get behind what he's doing. So I want to talk to you about building disciples of Jesus. Okay? I know it's simple. Terry uh, referred to Matthew chapter 28. If you would turn there with me. From verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That term all authority, it refers to something in the Bible. I don't have time to go into it right now, but if you look back at Daniel chapter seven, you'll see, uh, and Genesis chapter one, verse 26 to 28, you'll see that there was an authority that God gave man that was abdicated because of sin, and Satan then became the ruler of this world. But with Jesus' death and resurrection, that all changed. He says, all authority, that's the foundation for what we're doing. He says, go therefore, because of this change in authority, because we're now representing the kingdom, go therefore, that word go, is not a command. For years, I was part of a fundamental evangelical church that taught missions, and I must have heard a dozen sermons about this command. If Jesus says go, you can't stay. It's actually not a command. It actually says, having gone, or wherever you go, make disciples. The focus is on discipling. It's not on missions and going, it's on discipling. Wherever you go, make disciples of all the nations. Making disciples. You've heard it said before, doesn't say to make decisions. 
but disciples. I want to challenge you. It also doesn't say go into all the world to make leaders. A hundred percent of believers should be disciples of Jesus. About 10% are going to end up being leaders. Are you spending all your time on the 10% and ignoring the 90? Are we building with Jesus that which will endure when fire comes? All nations. About uh, last Friday, my wife had a dream. And in it, she knew God was saying something about South America. And she had a word, Montevideo. And so we Googled it and found out Montevideo is the capital of Uruguay. And so that next morning, we began to pray for Uruguay. We have no context. We don't know anyone. We just began. It wasn't on our heart, but there was something on God's heart. Yogi Berra said, it's not over till it's over. All nations is not finished until we reach all nations. It's not, hey, we in our togetherness are, are involved in over 100 nations. That's wonderful. There's still over 90 that we're not involved in. Okay, I'm getting excited. Sorry. <laughs> Don't do this. So we found ourselves praying for a nation. And I realized, when was the last time I prayed for a nation that I wasn't involved in or didn't know anyone? Let me ask you, when was the last time you prayed for a nation that was on God's heart? Not something that you knew somebody, but something that the Holy Spirit just put on your heart. We'll come back to that. So we're making disciples of all nations. Luke 6.40 says this. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher or master. A disciple is perfectly trained. The first thing we need to understand about making disciples is that we're making disciples for Jesus, not for us. I think that's been part of the problem of some of the discipleship movements in history, where you became my disciple. You're not Russ's disciple or Tyron's disciple or pastor's disciple. Your people are not your disciples. You're, you're making disciples for Jesus. Why? Because we want to be like Jesus. Bottom line is we don't want to be like us. You know? I mean, there's some parts. My son shared a quote yesterday been one of my favorites, and I thought, it's wonderful when you realize you've had an impact in someone, and they don't even have to realize where it came from. I didn't jump up and say, wait, 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 that was my quote. <laughs> now, we're making disciples for Jesus. Tyra reminded us, 2 Corinthians 11, I betrothed you to one husband. We don't get in between Jesus and his bride. We don't say, you're now my disciple. Part of the discipleship movement ended up that. Part of the G12 of the 90s. I have disciples who have disciples. 
No, we're making disciples to Jesus. You need to understand that. So it says, a disciple when he's mature or complete will be like his teacher or master. So if we're working with the Spirit to build the building based on the foundation of Jesus, we're making disciples to Jesus, they're going to be like Jesus. Right? So that's what I want to talk about. Long introduction, longer sermon. We're going to be like Jesus in three areas. We're going to be like Jesus in his relationship with the Father. We're going to be like Jesus in character. And we're going to be like Jesus in ministry. You need to understand, before I get into this, all three of those have to work together. I'm surprised how many people will take part of it. We want to focus on the the ministry of Jesus. You know that you can do the, the works that Jesus did? We're going to talk about that. You can. But you can't separate that from the character and the relationship. I don't know why everything comes in threes. Probably because there's a trinity or something. Huh? Okay, first. Disciples who are like Jesus will be like Jesus in relationship to the Father. John 5, 19, Jesus said, I do nothing of myself, but only what I hear the Father saying. 30, 530, only what I see the Father doing. Uh, John 8, 28, 12, 49, 14, 10. Five times in John, Jesus said, I do nothing of myself. The RSV translates that, I do nothing of my own initiative. I only do what I hear the Father saying and see the Father doing. You need to understand this. This kingdom is relational. That's God's plan. He never expected you to have enough knowledge that you knew what to do so you didn't need him. He wants you to walk in relationship. So what that means is this. Everything springs out of hearing God's voice. Sounds like something Mark said. Life flows from relationship. I get adamant about this because, like Steve, I was raised in a fundamentally evangelical church that, to be honest, did not have relationship with Jesus. We had a theology of Jesus. We had principles. I was in that church 11 years before I met Jesus. Most of the people that I knew are no longer walking with God because they never met Jesus. Life flows from relationship. Okay, I have this really cool picture on my notes, but I didn't make an overhead, so I'm gonna pretend. Huh? No, it's a tree. I was gonna actually make you, but, but I want you to see a tree here. Okay, there's a trunk. There's branches, there's all this foliage. Okay, you got the picture. There's a tree. The roots of the tree drawing life from the presence of God, intimacy, but the trunk is hearing God's voice. And the branches are the things that we often want. 
Faith. What are the branches? If I were the tree, I got faith written on my, tattooed on my arm. Faith is a relational thing. Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It actually says faith comes by hearing what God says. Relationship. See, I believe that God wants to heal, but when God says, I want to heal Jody, faith rises up. And we go, yes, I'm not initiating. I do nothing of my own initiative. I'm responding to what he's saying. You still with me? Direction. Let me go back to faith for a second. It comes back to hearing what God said. In, in 2000, we were part of a team planning a church in Melbourne, Australia. Been there for about three years. Uh, I was working part-time to make ends meet. Three years in, the church wasn't able to support us enough to, to pay the bills. Felt like a failure. But God provided. 2000, Dudley, Tyron's dad, who was leading the team at that time, came and visited us, and he felt like God gave him a prophetic word. He said, Russ and Mary, God's saying you need to be involved in the nations again. Now, my first thought was, I'm an American planning a church in Australia. This is the nations. And he said, no, no, what God's saying is that there's something of a translocal uh, call that you need to get back to. We sat down and prayed and said, God, we're open to whatever you say, but we don't have any money. And God gave us, spoke to us a scripture. The expense will be met from the king's treasury. Ezra 6.4. The expense will, we had a word. About two months later, we were invited to some translocal training in the States. We said, God, we're open, but we have no money. Four or five days later, someone came to us and said, we had planned this overseas trip. We've been saving for it, but things have changed and we can't go. And God said, we're to give this money to you because you're going to take a trip. So we came to the States, three and a half weeks. I had 50 Aussie dollars. At that point, the uh, exchange rate was about two to one. I remember changing my $50 at the airport, and when it was done, I had $18. Three and a half weeks, 18 bucks. We stayed with uh, the booths. Kevin's here, his, uh, uh, Caleb's here, his parents. We stayed with them, and, and they said the next morning, we're going to take you to the mall. We're going to go shopping. I looked at Mary and laughed and said, it's going to be a short shopping trip. <laughs> and, and Kevin said, no, no, you don't understand. As an eldership, we felt a number of weeks ago when you come to take you and buy you anything and everything you need. No limitation. It had to fit in the suitcase, of course. Very first day we're here, we have gifts to take back to our kids. We had everything we needed. We've, we went from there to a not, stay with some other friends, and they said the strangest thing happened, but that we wrote a, a check for you about three or four months ago, and last week we found it on our desktop. It had got covered with other stuff. So 
Here's a check that, that we felt, bottom line is that after three and a half weeks, we not only had enough to live and to stay here, but we had enough to go back and pay all the bills. See, I was working. Whole month, no income. The expense will be paid from the king's treasury. Wonderful story. It gets better. Since then, 54 international trips. Everyone paid by the king's treasury. God's faithful. Wasn't because we felt like we had to stir something up. It wasn't because we had to work harder to have faith. It was because in just looking to Jesus, when he said something, faith rises up. You know what? I don't think we actually get a whole lot of credit in heaven for faith. Sometimes we think we do here. How about manifestation? How about direction? Okay, you just have to hear what God's saying and obey what he says. You know, it's not, not a matter of trying to make something happen. It comes from hearing God, relationship. The manifestations, Steve said earlier, the manifestations of the Spirit, they're not something we carry around in our back pocket that we can pull out whenever we think. I mean, how do you pull out a word of knowledge unless the Holy Spirit tells you something that you didn't know? But you just have to hear him. You're still with me. Like Jesus in relationship with God. Let me tell you, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to build disciples of Jesus, the primary thing to focus on is relationship. Simply spending time with God, enjoying him. Not having to do stuff. Like Jesus in character, number two. We're going to be like Jesus in character. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Somebody referred to it earlier. I'm not going to tell you who because that was, I just pulled it out of the bag. It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to Glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We're being transformed into his image. You know what that means, that word image means? It doesn't mean that we're gonna actually look like Jesus. It doesn't mean that if you grow your hair long and grow a big beard, you're gonna be in the image of Jesus. Because if you read Revelation, Jesus has white hair. So there's only some of us that would actually look like Jesus. But you become who you hang around with. You become like who you hang around with. So you spend time with Jesus. You have a relationship with Jesus. Then he begins to work something, as Ron said, from the inside out. He begins to transform us from the inside out. Some of the character things. I'm going to give you a couple of them real quick. There's a whole lot, and you could spend a whole lot of time. But what is humility? Philippians 2, 5 to, to 8. Ron, Ron read, someone else did. 
Jesus didn't count equality with God something to be held on to, but he'd emptied himself. He humbled himself, became a servant. You need to understand why that's important. The kingdom functions different than the world. When Jesus said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, there's some, some argument about what that actually means, but for us simple people, me and Einstein and Jesus, it simply means keys unlock things. You need to understand, humility unlocks grace. God's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You want to see the grace of God released through you? There is a humility that's necessary that Jesus had. Why did Jesus come from heaven and did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but actually was born in a stable? It wasn't because he was trying to reach poor people. It was because he was humbling himself and grace broke into this, this world. Humility is a sign of relationship with God. When you hang out with him, when you see him, humility, we become humble and we realize it's not us. He's the great one. He's the awesome one. It's not me. But there's an aroma of people who hang out with Jesus. A lot of years ago, before Matt and Elodie were married, Matt led a home group in our house, and Mary and I had gone away uh, that evening. We came back, and someone had left a sweater in our lounge room. I said, someone left a sweater. Mary went over and picked it up and smelled it. She said, this is Elodie's. And I went, I mean, Elodie wasn't our daughter-in-law at the point. I went, that's ridiculous. How can you tell it's Elodie's? She just handed it to me, and I smelled it, and there was something of perfume and lotion and soap. There was an aroma from that that was very clear. It was Elodie's. Let me tell you, there's an aroma of people who've hung around with Jesus. And one of that characteristics of that aroma is humility. It's not arrogance, it's humility. Integrity, another characteristic. Be honest enough to know what God has said and what you are thinking or want. There's a difference between what I want and what God said. Obedience is a characteristic. It's a character deal. Jesus' love language is obedience. Do you have the character to obey what he says? Just because he says it. Generosity, the whole bunch of them you can, can, can look at. But we're also going to be like Jesus, not only in his relationship with God, not only in character, if we're disciples of Jesus, but also in ministry. Turn with me to John chapter 14. You all know this, and I've heard tons of sermons about this, but let me read it to you. He says, verse 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, who is he who believes in Jesus? Every disciple of Jesus. Every saint, 
every believer. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Too many people get focused on the greater works. Bottom line is we're called to do the very ministry that Jesus did, which as a big picture is to advance the kingdom. Okay, that's the big picture. Ephesians 4 says we're equipping the saints to what? Do the work of the ministry. Okay, it's not your ministry. It's not your name. Steve Sudworth said ministry is simply obeying the next thing he tells you to do. Now, if you're obeying the next thing he tells you to do within this bigger context of advancing his kingdom, it's going to include some things and it's going to look a little bit like this. These are not prescriptive things. This isn't go do this. It's as you're obeying Jesus, you're going to see that you're doing some of these things. You still, still with me? Ministry of all the saints, the disciples. I'm going to give you four W's. This is my attempt at alliteration. Wow. W's. First one is worship. Every believer is a worshiper. Why? The guy said it earlier in the week. Worship is the pathway to the presence of God. Psalm 100, verse 2. We enter his presence with singing. It says we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. There is something about a lifestyle of worship that puts us in the presence of God. As Mark said, we can hear his voice and everything flows out of hearing God's voice. So if, if you're equipping saints to do the work of the ministry, part of it's going to be worship. Worship also releases a heart of humility. Revelation, we see Jesus, we see God. He who the heavens and the highest heavens cannot contain. You want a, an expanding of your idea of what God can do. You don't need to look at your ability. You need to look at who he is. Why can he use dummies like us? Because he is big enough. It's not because we're big enough. Ministry of all the saints. Warfare. Which includes prayer. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. There is prayer. There's deliverance. There's healing. We're destroying the works of the enemy. There's bringing liberty to people. Are you building disciples along with the Holy Spirit that on, built on the foundation that no one can change that will endure when heat comes? That's what we're talking about. Third, W is Witness. Acts 1.8, Terry referred to it. You'll be my witnesses. You know what I love about that? It doesn't say that we're going to be lawyers. Sorry, Terry. We're not going to be lawyers. You know what a lawyer has to know all the answers. A witness just simply says, this is what I've seen or experienced. Okay, too often we think we have to have all the answers. What if I meet an atheist? What if they ask this? I don't know how to respond. You don't have to. The Holy Spirit's the lawyer. He's pre preparing the case. He's pursuing people. He just says, hey, I need a witness. Will you get on the stand and say what you, God touched you? 
You got healed. Hey, I don't know all the theology about why people get healed. All I know is that God touched me and I got healed. Can I pray for you? And fourthly, ministry of all the saints is work. 41 and others in the scripture. Admonishing one another, caring for one another, serving one another, teaching one another. 41 and others. Now if you look at that, it's Godward, it's outward, and it's inward. The work of the ministry. I said three, I'm gonna give you a fourth one. Because I think if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, like Jesus, we also have to be willing to lay down our lives. I want to close with Acts chapter 8. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to tell you the story. Because if you've read it, you know part of the story. It begins with persecution in the church. There's persecution in the church, and so they're scattered, which was God's plan going to all the world to make disciples of all nations, and they didn't go. So sometimes persecution isn't the devil. They were scattered, and those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word, verse 4. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. I love that. And multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. What did he do if he was a disciple of Jesus? He only did what he heard God saying. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed. Lame were healed, and there was great joy in the city. And that goes into the Simon thing. We're going to skip that part. But verse 12, and when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, Simplicity, both men and women were baptized. And into this, they then call the apostles and they bring guys up and they lay hands on them and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're talking revival. We're talking a city being changed. We're talking people getting saved, filled with the Spirit, signs and wonders. If you're an evangelist, this is what you've lived for. I'm in revival. In verse 26, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is desert or a deserted place. God says to Philip, leave the excitement, the revival, and go to a deserted place. He doesn't tell him what he's going to do there. He doesn't say, go and I'm going to, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to transform something. He just says, leave and go. There was a man who was like Jesus, willing to lay down his life. How many of us would argue with God in that situation? But God, you don't know how wonderful it is here. They need me. Before I go any farther, are you willing for God to say to you to go to a deserted place? Or has comfort captured your heart? Or fame 
become a border that the Holy Spirit can't speak past. So he arose and went. He obeyed the very next thing God told him to do. And a man, an Ethiopian, a eunuch, he left revival and he obeyed God and he comes to one man. who wasn't even an Israelite. He was an Ethiopian. Verse 29, and the Spirit said, go, over, go near and overtake the chariot. So he does, and the guy's reading, you know the story, reading in Isaiah 53. And it says, from that place in Scripture, he began to teach him. If you go from there in 56, you find out that it's talking about eunuchs being added to the kingdom, and he leads him to Jesus. And then it says, the Spirit caught Philip away. Philip never knew in this life the result of why God took him from revival to one man in a desert. But that Ethiopian eunuch went back to Ethiopia, and the kingdom was established. Throughout history, there's been millions of Ethiopians come to Jesus. A nation was transformed because Philip laid down his life and was willing to go to a desert place, not knowing what it would look like, not because God said, if you go, we're going to impact nations. He went from there. When he got to heaven, he found out. Laying down our lives. I felt strongly during the night I've been feeling all week something stirring of the Spirit about pioneering. And I felt God say that, they're, that He's wanting to sharpen the blade again of pioneering. There's some here that you're a pioneer, but you've been so focused on maintaining and shepherding that the blade has become dull. I'm going to ask you if you stand. There's something of the Holy Spirit wanting to just sharpen that edge again. There's something of breaking into areas that is pioneering. Paul and Minda are going to plant a church in Detroit. But they're not just planting a church. They're actually pioneering. They're breaking into a city where we have nothing happening. In fact, a city where most of the churches have left the downtown. It's not just that, that there isn't anything of NCMI happening. There's not much happening church-wise at all. Pioneering. God's wanting to sharpen the edge. I felt, even for Tyron, for you, I felt God was saying, that people have put a pressure on you to, to maintain and shepherd people. And God wants to sharpen that edge again for new, new nations. For some of you guys, we live in the most prosperous nation in the history of the planet where 
money has been spread through the whole society like never before in history. The most prosperous nation. We've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We have for the first time in the history of the planet millions of people who can get to a point where they no longer have to work and they can retire a workforce for the kingdom, and the devil has deceived people to say, hey, I live to, to fish and to play golf. The greatest workforce in history that God wants to sharpen the edge. There's some, you know, that there's something of a pioneering anointing on you. And God's just wanting to sharpen that. Just allow him to do that. Just take a moment. There's nothing of age about this. Guys, it's not when you get older. It's not you're too old. It's just the opposite. There's something of a sharpening of that pioneering. We're involved with, in our togetherness with over 100 nations, 95 that we have nothing. Will you say, here am I, send me. We say, Jesus, I follow you, whatever you say. Maybe you've put up some boundaries of which you're not going to let God speak to you. I'm comfortable, so as long as God sends me to a comfortable place, it's okay. Something bigger. Would you just put those aside? Would you tear those down right now and say, God, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price, the greatest price. Mm 